Welcome and thanks for stopping by. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to our podcast on one of your favorite platforms, I'm glad you're here. At this time, I would like to thank our partners and sponsors for their dedication to helping the show to grow. We cannot do what we do without their help. Hey, everybody, you've reached the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I am so glad you stopped in. You're going to have a great time today because I have Michael Feynman on the computer with me. And we're going to discuss a little bit of things that went on in his life and being a mentor, a father, a speaker, and a guy. So we're going to learn a little bit about Mike at the same time. First of all, Mike, do you, be, do you like to be called Mike or Michael? Uh, either one is fine. I prefer Michael, but either way is great. I, I slip because my brother's name is Michael. But we call him Mike, so that's why. Yeah. So if I call you Mike, I'll try to remember to call you Michael. So I answer Michael, both. <laughs> well, again, Michael, thank you for being on the show today. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a really good show. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to learn about you. You're going to learn about us. Hey, we're going we're gonna to learn together here. So, And everybody who's listening or watching, they'll learn about all of us at the same time. So that's pretty cool. So, so I appreciate it. So let's go back to your early days. Tell me a little bit about... Um, where you came from, um, you know, your history, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I was born in uh, Rockville, Maryland and grew up up north. Um, and I had a, a pretty tough childhood, actually, and mm-hmm. uh, lost my mother at the age of three. She passed wow. away uh, from a brain tumor. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, and I had a brother that was a year and a half younger than me. But the the uh, the outcome and, and over this next several years, uh, created quite a bit of rebellion in me, uh, quite a bit of rejection, guilt, shame, a lot of things that I dealt with uh, that I've overcome, but I wasn't really in the home much growing up. And mm-hmm. so at about 15, I was uh, out of the system and I moved to Florida and I uh, had some family here, but I was pretty much on my own at 15. I had my own oh, place. Wow. I was going to high school. I was working a couple jobs and uh, just kind of went for it. Right. That's interesting. At 15, you're, you're a motivator. You know, you, yeah. you decided to do something. You, you could have taken your cards and just did nothing. But you did. That's cool. So so now you said your mother, you said your mother died at an early age. Was your father around at the time? or, or what's He was. The story he, with was him? he was there, yeah. My father was there, and then he remarried a couple of years later. And okay. uh, it was just, a, you know, a, a time of not understanding as a child, not being able to receive love, not really understanding mm-hmm. unconditional love, uh, and uh, being raised in a Jewish family. And then later in life, uh, you know, when I went on my own, I was pretty tough-skinned, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. at this point, and right. uh, really didn't allow myself to feel, didn't allow love to enter in. I don't know that I knew how to receive love at that point because I'd been in boarding schools for many, many years and and being raised by people that weren't family. But God showed me what that meant later on. So uh, I'm grateful for it, although it seemed like a lot at the time. But truthfully, Mm -hmm. my story changed at some point, Kevin, where I went from woe is me to, okay, I I see what we're doing here. Let -hmm. me just drive and get this done. And I thought I did it on my own. People used to say, wow, you're a self-made man. You've done such a great job. And then later realized I had done very little of it and the Lord had done most of it. So, Do you find I mean, that you are not in the abnormal range of people being not knowing love and understanding love? Do you find that more that people don't really know and understand what about true love is? Yeah, you know, unconditional I mean, especially. Unconditional, it's like, because we're all trained, like, if you, if you do your chores, I'll love you. I mean, it might not say that. 
but they will imply it. You know, like uh, right. if you if you're good in school, I will love you. Uh, you know, and, and and it's performance based is what I'm getting in my head. Performance. We are That's trained to be performers. Uh, trained yes. rats, <laughs> especially you know, men. Yeah. You know, and the thing what, about it is, we also, I mean, um, you probably, I'm not exactly sure how old you are, but my age, born in the 60s and stuff like that, my father and stuff like that, they did not know how to show love to their kids. Um, a hug you, love you, you know, type of thing. It, was, it wasn't a manly thing to do. I mean, it is the mother was the, 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 um, embracer, the, the love, the, nurturer, the mom, the nurturer, the nurturer yeah. yeah. You know, where the father was not is like, I'm the breadwinner. I go to work, you know, I come home, eat my yeah. dinner and, I, you know, watch a little TV and then go to bed and I do it all over I, again. You know, I actually studied that out and uh, I have a theory on that. And so I went back to the Great Depression and okay. before the Great Depression, you know, most most families were farmers on, on some okay. level. Right. Uh, many, many families were farmers. But then when the Great Depression happened, you know, fathers had to kind of disconnect from their kids because they weren't able to feed them. They were watching their children die off uh, yeah. from starvation or sickness or, you know, there was just no money to be had. And so the fathers, you see all the pictures from the Great Depression, they're out on the street waiting for work that wasn't there. They knew it wasn't there, but they stayed right. out of the home anyway. And my theory is they really just couldn't sit there. They had to try to do something and right. they couldn't face their kids. So they, I think there was an emotional disconnect because they had to, to protect themselves, to protect their mm -hmm. feelings and their hearts and all the things. And so they just shut it off. And so then if you look generationally as that came on, uh, you know, the next generation was basically the boomers and the boomers right. came through and they didn't want to have that disconnect. They wanted to love their kids. Uh, but they didn't know how they weren't, they, right. they, they weren't taught by their fathers, how to be fathers, the men. So mm -hmm. there was still that disconnect where, Hey, I'm proud of you, son. I love you. I'm proud of you, daughter. I love you. Uh, mm -hmm. but I'm going to be at work all the time and I'm probably not going to connect with you much. Right. And I'm a dad and that's what we do. And so then you mm -hmm. look at the next generation, which were the helicopter parents and right. oh my gosh, we're going to completely dote on our kids. And it's a it's a, it's a tough cycle to look at when right. you really look at it. Uh, you ever heard mm -hmm. the saying, uh, "Hard men," or, or sorry, uh, yeah, hard men make uh, uh, hard times make hard men, and hard okay. men make good times, and good mm -hmm. times make soft men, and soft men make hard times. And oh, so wow. it's this cycle. cycle. And if you look at it back that way, that's absolutely true. That's what we're dealing with right. today, where right. you know, Toxic masculinity is a buzzword and they're against masculinity. All that is really, bro, is uh, young men that weren't taught how to harness power. And so, right. yes, is it? it's not toxic. It's masculinity not controlled. But we need mm -hmm. it terribly, right. terribly. Yeah. I, I mean, if you think about uh, how difficult it's become because we're not multi-generational in right. the same home, the yeah. kids don't get the, the benefit of learning from the grandparents if they get to see them, you know, much yeah. at all. Uh, well, I don't think I mean, this is only 50, 75 years old that we're doing this. We were multi-generational that long ago. Yeah. Well, also, too, one thing good about the Jewish race is that's how a lot of scriptures got pointed from story after generation. They told their stories from generation to generation yeah. to generation. A lot yes. of times today, people, uh, I give you an example, my nephew, uh, he knows about his father's side of the family quite well. But he has no information, really knowledge on his mother's side, which is my side, the Irish side. 
he could care less. You know, I mean, he, they don't care. The generations that are coming up and my nephew is 40 something, 45, maybe, I think. Yeah. You know, and he has a daughter that just got married. She's like early 20s you now, uh, which is my great niece. Yeah. I mean, it makes you really feel old when you have your great niece getting married. If she ever had a kid, <laughs> I would be a great, great uncle. You know, yeah. But my my point is, is the generation they don't take stock into hearing what the older generation of getting knowledge from them. Um, that's why I love what I do. And I started out with a company years ago called Eternal Memories, and I always joke about it. I had it until I kept getting phone calls for lines uh, and faucets because Eternal Memories. You know, that's what they would call. Sure. So I changed the name, and then I became Video Impressions. So, but. There was the story was the fact that I like, you know, I, how I started with that is taking old stuff and making it new. And um, people's stories of interviews with their grandfathers that came over from Russia, you know, and, and you know, archiving those things. And people, we, I don't, they're not interested in it. They're not, I mean, this ancestry.com thing is, is kind of popular, you know, a little bit, but, you know, in general, kids today yeah. uh, don't really care about where they came from. Like, I came from, uh, I found out my grandfather was from County Mayo in Ireland. That's all I know. And and then um, I always thought I was half Irish and half French. But I really, and I, <laughs> this is the ironic story. Not, it's not about me today, but it was, uh, I used to hate Canadians. I thought they were snobs and all that kind of stuff. So all the people that in Canada, I love you now. So bear with me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I always did. I didn't like Canadians and stuff like that because I thought I was French you know, from France and stuff in Ireland and stuff like that. And well, I realized that my Ireland side is true, but my French side came from Canada. So I'm half or a part of me is Canadian and I'm also right. Indian. I have Indian in me I, and I don't know how much. And that's why I'm always curious about doing uh, the, those the ancestry, uh, you know, DNA tests because I'm curious to see, um, you know, as I said, I'm French, Canadian, Indian. And then right. I'm Irish, so I'm not really 50-50. But, you know, I didn't know that, you know. And, and I luckily did an interview with my mother before she passed in 2002. Didn't do it as professional as I do now, but I actually sat down and, and said, tell me about it, as much as she could remember about her youth That's and great. growing up and stuff like that. And we have it on CD. And I gave one to each one That's of the great. kids, you know. But, cause, so I have great nieces and nephews that never heard their grandmother. or it would be, yeah, because no great grandmother, because her uh, grandmother's Nana, and that's my sister, and then my mother would be great, you know, great grandmother. But my point yeah. is, is that, you know, they today we we don't they've lost their identity, they've they've lost the interest in knowing where they're from, and and, and right, you know, well, it's interesting. Lot, yeah, it is. I think a lot of Americans don't uh, 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 don't have culture like the, mm -hmm. you know the Jews. And growing up Jewish, you know, we were, everything was very connected. Everything was very mm -hmm. tight. Families were connected. You know, uh, family was very important. It used to drive me crazy because I remember as a kid, you know, they would say, oh, we're going to visit so-and-so at one o'clock in the afternoon. And we're just going to mm -hmm. visit on a Saturday. And I said, well, why can't we go at, you know, nine in the morning and then have the day or six in the evening? But it was very common to sit around for three oh. or four hours and just talk. And, well, you know, people now think you're crazy. They can't, they can't, they can't, you know, even fathom that. Well, they can't sit that long. I mean, it's like, right. you're, you're barely like at a church service. If you speak more than 30 minutes, you've lost the people. You know, they yeah, had, well, a, they had a, 
they had a saying that, that you know your mind can only adore as long as your rare does you know it's like you get uncomfortable yeah. but it, it's just again not just a jewish race i mean years ago back in the early 1900s and stuff like that it, it was culture you had chinatown you had it, little italy you know you had oh yeah. yeah you had the groups that would come together families would come together because again like Very we talked proud. earlier that everybody was around in the same block everybody was close together yes. But now, especially it, it, Italians and, yeah, Italians and Jews, I used to always say, you know, the only difference between an Italian grandmother and a Jewish grandmother, because they look the same, they, you know, right. it's always Sunday dinner, Sunday gravy for Italians, right? They would have pasta or whatever. But the only difference was my grandmother said, eat, eat. And yours said, manja, manja. And that was it, because <laughs> that was that, it, that's yeah. why the communities were, so, you know, right next yeah. to one another in New York and the boroughs, because they were very similar in culture and family and the importance yeah. of that. And, and the Latino community has that going on. There's so many different communities that do, but generally speaking, your average right. everyday American hasn't experienced that. No, and, and, and unfortunately they don't have a desire to, you know, that well, because they don't know what it is. If they knew what it was, they would desire. I mean, they're desiring connection. They're desiring identity. They're desiring these things and the behaviors that we're seeing in young people now, which is why I created identity university is that of, of, of people that are craving a connection, craving their identity. Uh, you know, I spent some time with a friend of mine, uh, Mike Toby. He calls himself the Heaven Guy, and he has a program called theheavenguy.org. And okay. he is a phenomenal guy. We're, we're fishing buddies and we're friends. And I, this guy has poured into me. I, I can't tell you how much. And mm -hmm. I really love this guy. But one of the things that he did is he did a Google, he did a search through a marketing agency on Google and asked what are kids asking about themselves? Okay. And the first one that they asked is, who am I? Mm -hmm. That's the first question. The second one is, am I okay? okay. The third one was, um, the third one was, I can't remember, but I, the other, the last one I remember was, is God real? And okay. you know, if you look at today's movies and Marvel and superheroes and all these things, they are looking for Jesus. They just don't know who he is. Uh, and they don't know who their identity is. Again, we have this massive fatherless society. Over 60% of homes in some cases are, you know, even if they're divorced and they go back and forth, the father's not present every day. And the moms can do a great job and they have been. But right. dad gives identity. Dad gives uh, the last name. He creates a legacy through his children. And if he's not there to do that and give them his approval and their identity and their last name and all these things that kids need, then they right. have to go try to figure it out on their own. And this is where all the confusion's coming in. This is right. where gender dysphoria comes from. This is where, you know, uh, all of these things come from because there's a need to belong. And mm -hmm. they, there's groups that segment themselves and there's more division now, I think, than I've ever seen. And mm -hmm. now these, you know, when I went to high school and you went to high school, you had the jocks and the heads and the, right. you know, the, the band and, you know, the, right. all that. The geeks and, you know. Yeah. The, and then it went yeah. to emos yeah. and all, right. But it's changed now to where it's, you know, it's much more pronounced and they're demanding rights for what they believe, which I don't know how we got this far, but I can say that it's a need to understand identity. And I know that, you mentioned you had a guest that, that had worked through some of that themselves. 
when you don't have identity, but you find a group that will love you unconditionally or accept right. you, when you never got the acceptance that you needed, you may go into that group not even being one of them, but needing mm -hmm. to be accepted and becoming whatever that is. You'll right. do anything for that acceptance, right? And well, I talk about. Go ahead. Yeah, I was I was saying I don't want to interrupt you. Sorry. Is um, I keep worrying. It's like gangs. Well, how come gangs become very popular? is that they they accept you for you and then you know they make you feel like family more than sometimes family does so and it's you communication go where, without having to do the hard work yeah and you go where you feel loved or you feel accepted and you know i mean you might you do some things that you go ah, well whatever it's, it's worth the cause but it really sure. isn't but but yeah gangs are uh, you know again you know i mean uh, you know churches all i always love it churches you know in a sense in the christian world is like oh we're, we're family uh, we have, a lot of times we're a dysfunctional family, <laughs> but in often, general, yes. often, you know, I mean, in general, I mean, a family is, you know, you have your, you know, pros and cons of families. You don't always get along. Yeah. It's like they always had a saying is, you know, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your relatives. <laughs> right. But I mean, the, the churches have that catchphrase, let's do life together. And, you know, yeah. what does that look like? And then there's a small church, home church movement that's happening now. And I'm a part of that as well and big okay. churches. But, um, you know, this is where we do life together. This is where I have a problem and I call one of my brothers and say, mm -hmm. you know, man, I, I just need to talk. I need to, you know, I need to work it out. And right. Men have a hard time communicating because of that cycle that I talked about. But I think right. that they're starting to kind of come to now and they're starting mm -hmm. to understand that they can communicate. And if we don't, as men, if we don't step up right. and really take our role back, it's under attack. Right. And definitely we can't is. afford that to happen. And, it, it, you know, I think a lot of men also get the whole concept of spiritual leader incorrect and they think, oh, I'm the boss. No, you're responsible. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and Eve right. ate the apple and gave it to Adam, he got in trouble because that was his, right. that was his watch, right? So what that means is you're responsible to protect your family, to raise them right, your kids, you know, direct them and all of that. You're the one responsible. But with that well, being said, okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying. I'm sorry, I, didn't, I don't want to interrupt you. It is no, I, no, I no. was just I was just thinking. Word Adam is like, yeah, it's that woman you gave me, Lord. That you know, it's like they were right from the learn how to pass yeah. the buck. You know, instead of saying, yeah, Lord, I and that's a lot of society. I've learned it. If I make a mistake at work, I you know, you know, I said, hey, I made a mistake. It was my fault. My pastor yeah. always talked about sins. Even if it's not your own it, and then repent for it. You know, like and and then and then move on. So it's like yeah. owning, owning something. I'm not owning it and keeping it, owning it and getting rid of it. And, 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 you know, if you have, if somebody else has a sin, just own the sin, like you were, were interceding for them and then repent and turn it, you know, and then go on. I mean, don't, I mean, yeah, look at Job. Job, right, Job yeah. was, it was, uh, was repenting for his children's behavior. Right. And uh, he had to, and, and, you know, obviously Job had some, a lot of incorrect thoughts, but that was a cool one that he was consistently praying for them because they were sinning. So let's go a little bit more about your story. And then, you know, we're going on to see how much time we have about, about 30 minutes so far. And this conversation sure. is going really good. We've talked about identity yeah. and stuff like that. Um, you want in your little description, your little bio stuff, you talked about being a father. What's it like being a father? So I'm not a father and I've never been one. So sure. what's it like being yeah. a father? So being a father is the 
the most amazing thing that God has ever trusted me with. And okay. I, it's such a blessing. I find a lot of joy and mm -hmm. I'm a very hands-on dad. I always have been. Okay. Um, but now you have what boys or girls? I have, uh, so I have two stepdaughters and one stepson and one biological son. My steps are all grown up. They're in their late twenties and thirties with okay. children and, and grown up, but yeah. I didn't do a great job with them. Honestly, the way that I was raised is how I parented, the way I was parented. And it was not a healthy behavior. I did not oh, do a good do. job. I disciplined, well, I didn't, I, I was trying. I disciplined without love. I disciplined harsh. Mm -hmm. I did love them very much and I give them everything I had and they knew that. But I also was very strict, very strict because I was raised very strict, mm -hmm. but it was not healthy. And I did, you know, the, the consequences that my stepson is still in my life somewhat. My daughters, no, they're not in my life. Now, to their, to their uh, credit, they're on dad number three. So it's different for them as well. And, right. you know, that's been very difficult. Uh, but it, I take full responsibility for my actions. So I right. knew that I wanted to be a better father. Now, when the marriage mm -hmm. ended, uh, my son was five and I fought for 50-50. That's all I cared about. Right. And I got 50-50 uh, with my son at five years old. And I, we had a lot of work to do. Because mm -hmm. his mother and I, you know, uh, did not see eye to eye. And mm -hmm. she was consistently bashing me on the other end. I mm -hmm. did some of that in the beginning as well until I was able to forgive. Uh, and so I'm guilty of that also. So my son became very confused. He didn't know who mm -hmm. to believe. He loved us right. both. He didn't get divorced. He didn't want us to be divorced. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, he and I had to work through that. And it was not easy. It was very, mm -hmm. very difficult. In fact... Uh, I think it was more difficult because um, his mom was not helping at all. In no. fact, it was a barrier consistently, always trying to alienate. It was really hard. At this point, I've set my boundaries. He's 16 years old. We've gone through some serious life challenges together, but mm -hmm. we are really, really close. I think if people would meet us uh, or if you were to meet people that know us well, the first thing out of their mouth, if you ask, well, what's Mike Feynman like? They would say he's an awesome dad because I appointed my life at being an awesome dad. I read books, right. I interviewed parents, I started programs. I really learned though, how to be a dad from watching the relationship from God and Jesus and that reciprocal obedience uh, or that obedience from you know Jesus to the father. I only do what my father says. I only do what mm -hmm. he tells me to do. You know, that's powerful. I want to be that kind of man. And so my son, as I'm teaching him to be that kind of man, is watching me walk that out. If I did not walk that out, I, you know, they say more is caught than taught. That is never more true than with kids. They see everything. Uh, yeah, and he's a mini me, right? So Kevin, you know how hard it is to deal with me when he's being ornery? It's terrible. I'm dealing with me. I have adults that aren't even kids that, you know, I say yeah. we're a lot alike and they go, no, we're not. I go, yeah, I see me and you <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're not. Yeah. Says, no, because you don't see you and me, but I see me and you, you know, right. it's, it's, you know I've uh, had bosses like that and we, we just. <laughs> it's hard. You know, uh, but, and, you know and, in the end, my, my son uh, has a dream to uh, play professional basketball. He's 16. Okay. He's got the build for it. He, the work ethic that this boy has, 
man, cool. I, you know, I, I wanted to instill a good work ethic in him, Kevin, but I didn't do this. God did that. Like, there's no way. This boy mm -hmm. works out so hard so often. He is so driven to be successful. And I made a deal with him uh, a year ago, two years ago. He said, I want to take basketball seriously. And I, we were playing uh, soccer up until then. And I said, okay, what does that look like for you? And he said, well, I want to get on a team. So we did that. Once we were on a team, we were playing rec ball. He said, no, I want to take it really seriously. Okay. And I said, okay, I'll make a deal with you. You do the work. I'll help you in the background. I'll get you where you need to go. We got him on this amazing team that we prayed our way into an AAU team with a phenomenal coach that mm -hmm. has coached several boys into the NBA. He's, he's just a great guy and he's a believer too. Cool. Um, we, we, we prayed ourselves onto that team. I get him the right food, the right supplements. I get him to and from the gym. I get him to and from games and practices. I do a lot of driving with him right. and I'll take his, you know, carpool with the boys. Right. And I got to tell you, man, this is the best part of my life right now. Cool. And it's something that, you know, I mean, I, under, I, I think this is an analogy with spiritual things is you can understand the relationship between God and you a lot better when you're a father because you understand yeah. the, the heart of the father when you're you know me i'm on the heart of a, the heart of a son you know i mean i know yeah. what a son's like but i don't know what i mean i have animals i have fur babies but other than that you know yeah. it's not it's not a child you know and it's a whole different pr process and you understand i mean because parents will sacrifice i mean, i know my my mother did say here you can have the big room i'll take the little room she sacrificed her stuff so I could have it, you know, and, and that's what a parent does, that they will put you first. And, and, and in normal cases, we we don't put ourselves first. I mean, we always put ourselves, I mean, well, first in the sense of you know, it's, it's all about me. But right. it as fa fathers and stuff like that, no, it's not about me, it's about you. And that's the same thing I try yep. to invent in, in our conversations with people I interview. It's not about me. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, sometimes we get so caught up because we're, I mean, a great conversation, and if God reminds me, he does a lot. God does, he puts um, pictures or, sto or not stories, but more like uh, snapshots of something. Like, he'll, he'll say something, and I go, oh, yeah, what about that? You know, it's like, so I do that a lot of time, and I get excited because I, I want It's like, you know, God is, like, giving me, uh, you know, a shot of, you know, something. You know, it's like an instant picture. Yeah. And he does that all the time. Like I, I go, oh, yeah. you know, God's doing it again. You know, it's like, give me this. I love it. Uh, that's, that's how I learned you're creative and so am I. And so a picture to me uh, tells a thousand words. If the oh, God, yeah. God shows me a vision of something, okay, I got it. I have a saying, it's on my website, and I say this all the time when I have a speaking event, is when you know who you are, when you actually understand your true identity, you can become anyone or do anything. Mm -hmm. Well, but I was the used to use, true also. use the word, I used to use um, discipline. If you could teach yes. someone discipline at a young age, nothing is impossible for them. I mean, they True, they want to be like <laughs> nobody. Knows. Well, sure. I'll give you an example. I would say if you asked me a year ago what I would be disciplined on finances, I go no. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'm not bad. I'm not you know throwing money out like it was like water. You know, where did you learn that? Did you learn that through Financial Peace University or anything nope. like that? Nope. I just was God says God told me to not to spend, don't no, have to buy anything, not to spend any money. I, I, Jim Rohn said something, and I love the self-help world. I've been around it for years. Um, I actually own a company with Les Brown uh, that we built together. 
And he really taught me uh, a lot about speaking and, and who I was as a person, what I had to offer. I really love Les Brown. He's changed my life. But Jim Rohn was another one that said something that really, really got me. And he said, "If to get what you want in life, help as many people get what they want in life. Mm -hmm. And in turn, you'll get it. And Jesus talked about that. Mm -hmm. we, we have favor. You know, I think the thing, yeah. as Christian said, a lot of us miss is, uh, yes. Do we work hard? Yes. But we have favor in a way that if we'll work in, in the areas that the Holy Spirit wants us to, and we'll mm -hmm. stay in his will, we're not working as hard. You know, right. I, I have some business partners in one of my companies and we talk about it all the time. And I, the, God is in the fish business and mm -hmm. I love to fish offshore. I'm a boating guy and okay. spent a lot of time in the ocean, but you know, we, we talk about it all the time. The fish are jumping in the boat. We're right. not having to throw the net. We're not even having to listen. We're just being obedient to everything we hear and moving in it. And the fish are literally jumping in the boat. And mm -hmm. I've been in those positions before in business. And when you find that sweet spot, when you find that place of really being in his will, that's right. one of the indications because you're not things that happen in my, you know, they say signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Listen, signs and wonders follow me everywhere I go. But I right. expect it because I know who I am as a son. And mm -hmm. it's interesting you said you know how to be a son. If you look at my speaker bio, it says son, father, speaker. Right. And that's because I first am a son, which taught me how to be a father. And mm -hmm. I think that's so key uh, also in business when you're working with right. people, when you're serving others. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, Gary Cassie, he talks about, uh, you know, the power and the blessings from the Holy Spirit that we walk mm -hmm. in. And one of the things he said is, if you really want to succeed in life, get in the people business, because that's right. what God is. And so, you know, this thing that I'm doing, I have several programs. One's called Honor Your Parents and Elders, the hype program. Okay. Uh, one's called uh, Through Your Child's Eyes. That was the original one. Uh, one is called Motivational Parents. I spoke, I did that uh, on, uh, uh, on stage mm -hmm. with Les Brown. And the new uh, one is Identity University that I'm in pretty heavy. But I have a new one now that I just launched. Mm -hmm. called Yo Dad, Can We Talk, where I'm taking questions from random kids who don't have a solid father in their life or separated mm -hmm. for whatever reason, and I'm answering them and, 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 you know, from a from a place of wisdom, biblical wisdom, mm -hmm. and not over-spiritualizing it, but just being able to be a dad and answer the question in right. a way that they can understand. And I, I get these opportunities with young people all the time, That's Kevin, cool. like uh, my friends, you know, kids and things like that. And uh, I am so blessed that I found my calling in life. Oh, cool. And one is to be a father, but the other mm -hmm. is to encourage fathers to be better fathers. And, you know, I think guys struggle with being masculine and being loving. And I can tell mm -hmm. you right now, I, I, at one point I worked in a foster home with teenage moms and they were mm -hmm. my babies with babies. Right. right. And th this is what I would say to them. I am very soft and kind with you. I play guitar for you. I sing for you. I hang out with your babies, but I'm a man. And, right. you know, yes, I can do that, but I'm also dangerous. I hold that back. And, and, I, and I, I've learned to harness that. I also mm -hmm. love to do a lot of man things. I believe that men should be able to fix anything, drive anything, you know, protect their family, hunt, right. you know, for their food, whatever you need to do. If, if it ever were to go sideways in this right. world, which we know is coming, um, you need to be able to protect your family. That's a man. Right. And also you can be a loving, kind, smiley kind of guy. Like, you know, I am. Mm -hmm. And, and 
know, I meet men all the time in the construction world, which I've been in for years, and they don't know where I'm coming from. You know, they're like, why is this guy talking about these things are so hard for me to talk about? But in the, that thing or the next, they're talking about it because now I've made it okay. We need more spaces for men like that. We're dealing with, you know, higher rates of suicide and stress and, yeah. and, and men aren't even getting married anymore because, you know, they say, well, why would they if the women are giving it away for free? True. But also right. their self-esteem and their self-worth has been so knocked down that they're afraid of rejection because men get so much rejection. And we can be both. We can be kind, we can be sweet, and we can be tough. Yeah. We're dealing with rejection. It's like, it depends on your brought up. Like it's like dating. You know, if you ask yeah. a girl, she says no. And then you ask another girl, she says no. And then you get to the point that your identity is like, okay, something's wrong with me. It says, you know, or something. And you develop that false identity. It, and and it comes directly for our identity, right. directly for your character. Right. And, and, you know, he's not in hiding anymore. No. Used to be the enemy is in the shadows. The enemy is not in the shadows. The he's enemy's on your TV every night. Well, he kind and, of knows that, that he has a limited time, that he doesn't have yeah, a lot of time left. So. But so we need to speak out even more so. If he's not in hiding, then we need to not be passive about it mm -hmm. and speak mm -hmm. against it. You know, it's so, such a very small community of people pushing for things that just aren't biblical. Yeah, it's, and again, we could go on forever because, I mean, we have a lot in common. We have, a, you know, talking yeah. about identity and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Let's, let's wrap it up with um, um, saying to somebody uh, that's out there is uh, a little bit about their identity, how to get their identity in the right order, what to do, kind of like not an ABC plan, but get them on the right path. So if they're listening and say, hey, my identity is not what it should be. I have a false perception. What do I do? What right. would you say to them? Yeah, so I would say the truth is in the Bible, for sure. Mm -hmm. And once you start to understand who you are as an heir to the throne with Jesus Christ and as a son of God, mm -hmm. which you are, you're a child, you sit at his table. If you sat at your dinner table with your family and your mom put a big basket of uh, biscuits down, would you ask if you could take one? No, no, because you know that you sit at that table and you're entitled to one. So mm -hmm. when you're a child, as, as you said, you know how to be a son. When you're a child, you receive things from your parents because you are their child, not because you did anything, not because you earned it, not because you're good, not because you help people, but right. only because you're their child. This mm -hmm. is the same thing with the father. We tend to take our filters, our experiences of our earthly father and project them on father in heaven, but mm -hmm. they are not the same. He is the perfect father. And if you can get past that, that's the biggest mm -hmm. hurdle to really receiving God as your true father is eliminating the filter of your earthly father, because no matter how great he was or wasn't, mm -hmm. he was a man. He was not what God is as a father. Right. And when you realize that God loves you unconditionally, more than you could ever think of or fathom, mm -hmm. when you really, really get that, and, and I mean, spending time with your eyes closed, envisioning yourself, you know, I will lay on the couch and put my head on a pillow. I am on his lap. I am laying mm -hmm. on my dad's lap. When you can get into that place with your father, quiet, be still and know that I'm God mm -hmm. and trust him to love you unconditionally, then your identity is not in question. And so mm -hmm. when somebody comes to you and says, you're this, that you're not, you immediately identify that as a lie and mm -hmm. you don't receive it. And you cast the thought down 
and the, or the stronghold, right? To, 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 to get it out of your life and to give it, make it submit to Jesus, to Christ. You literally are the son of the highest creator on the planet and your pops owns everything. He built everything. He created everything. He's the alpha and the omega and right. you are the apple of his eye. Mm-hmm. And when you get that, nobody can tell you any different. You know, I really appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for Michael. You too, Thank man. you for being on. It was a great show. I, I'm I'm looking forward to yeah. editing and redoing it. So, but uh, everybody, thank you for joining in today to the Millennium Beat with your host Kevin James. I've been here with Michael Feynman. Right, I mean, Michael I get that Feynman. right. Yeah, don't want to screw up your name. Names are important. Yep. Thank you. You again. can check out my website at Michael N for Neil Feynman dot com. Cool. cool. Uh, and I'll have it in the show notes. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production. Views and opinions of the guest are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. Check us out on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and TikTok at the Millennium Beat, or on Twitter at Millennium underscore Beat. If you would like to partner with us to reach the world, go to our website for more information. You can go to themillenniumbeat.com or tmb2000.net Your financial support is greatly appreciated. We couldn't do all we do without your support. The Millennium Beat just updated our website from the ground up. Check it out at themillenniumbeat.com or you can get there by using millenniumbeat.com or tmb2000.net where you'll be redirected to the millenniumbeat.com's homepage. I want to thank Mass Inbound for their awesome work on our website. If you're looking for somebody to build your site, I recommend them. You can reach them at massinbound.com. That is M-A-S-S-I-N-B-O-U-N-D.com. These are some of the things that you can find on our website. Homepage. You can watch our latest YouTube video or listen to our audio podcast. Also listed are some of the platforms our audio podcast is on. You'll find out when the next podcast will air and who the guests will be. On the top right, you'll find two red buttons. Learn how to help and become a guest. Under Learn How to Help, you can become a partner, sponsor, contributor, or contribute to the future Millennium Bus. You give one time or monthly recurring. The choice is yours. The other button is be a guest. Click it, go to the form, and fill it out, and we will get back to you. We would love to hear your story. Click the About Us drop-down where you'll find stats, where we are reaching people, and to find more information on our sponsors. Click on the Podcast drop-down, then click on the Calendar tab where it will tell you when the shows will air and who will be on them. Or if you need to know about any meetups of the Millennium Beat staff, partners, or listeners. Also, there might be on the calendar an event at which the Millennium Beat staff will be at. Click the guest tab for all previous guests, links to their website, social media pages, and any store they might have. Click the forms drop down. There you'll find a release, be a guest, or become a sponsor form.